When I was a kid, my parents would have to bring me on a car ride to get me to sleep. Not all the time, but often enough for them to routinely bring it up when I visit them today. In my head, I even have memories of this happening. They're likely mere constructions of what I imagined it was like, but I do remember the car. A light blue Jeep Cherokee, full of rust spots. So much that kids at school would comment on it. After having had a grand Cherokee for a while, my family then had another Cherokee. It was a 2001 Sport model, and it was a pretty rough but thrilling ride. When you accelerated, the whole front of it would seemingly lift upwards in a jerky, jumpy way. Friends would hold on for dear life. The AC didn't work. There's no cruise control. I even think you had to roll down the windows with the hand crank. I absolutely loved it. Hi, my name is André Sir. Welcome to the next chapter in our story, The Forest in Between the Trees. This is a podcast about leadership, culture, and trust. This chapter will be separated into two parts, with an intermission, if you will. Part one will focus on branding and narrative, while part two will focus on language and motivation. Jeep has been disproportionately successful as a car company in North America compared to many of its competitors in recent recession times. As part of the Chrysler Group, they were acquired by an Italian company, Fiat, in 2009. They get criticized by diehard fans for having become too much of a consumer company, but their business strategy is sound and the values they communicate through advertising have not changed since their foundation more than 75 years ago. Jeep spends a considerable amount of money in television advertising, notably during Super Bowl ads. However, they barely ever talk about or try to sell their cars. They sell adventure in beautiful lands. They sell opportunity in Take Your Winter. They sell togetherness in Renegades. They sell love, hope, and happiness in Recalculating. And just last year, one of their Super Bowl commercials included a great example of their branding. It's called Anti-Manifesto. There was no mention of models, features, or prices. This is a transcript of the narration, simply recited while a single wrangler goes fording through a water stream and climbs steep rocks. How many car ads have you seen with grandiose speeches over the years, big declarations, making claims to some overarching human truth? Companies call these commercials manifestos. There's your manifesto. Today, I still drive a Cherokee. On paper, it makes no sense. It's too big, 
too powerful and too expensive for what I need. It's a modern Cherokee, so there are no more minor quirks to it, and it's trail rated, so the hood still jumps when you accelerate. And I still love it, and I think about it every time I drive. I wouldn't dream of driving anything else, not because of horsepower or any fancy features a salesman could come up with, but because of what it means to me. See, I don't choose to purchase from Jeep because I want a car. I do so because I want to belong with the brand, with all the other Jeep owners who tell themselves the same story as I tell myself. This feeling of belonging and commitment takes its roots in Jeep's efforts of branding. Branding is an integral part of leadership, as it calls for leaders to deliberately contribute to the sense of belonging everyone feels inside a team or organization. Every group and culture has a brand, which is much more than a visual identity. Instead, it's the set of emotions that someone feels when they interact with the brand or associate something with the brand. It is the story they tell themselves about how they belong with the group. We often confuse the concept of branding with other concepts such as advertising, marketing, or design. It's not that those concepts are completely unrelated, but that there is a dimension of branding that sets it apart. Branding is much more human in this sense, as it is concerned about how those elements of product or service design contributes to the emotional connection that people have with your organization. Logos, packaging, typography, color, slogans, social media campaigns, it's not that those elements are completely out of the discussion when it comes to branding. On their own, they all contribute in a way to an organization's brand. Branding could therefore be described as the connecting element between how your organization looks, how it makes people feel, and why it exists. Seth Godin, author of many books, including What You Gonna Do With That Duck and All Marketers Tell Stories, which we'll discuss further in this chapter, explains that a brand is a series of expectations that people have based on the promises that they think you have made. It follows the following equation. The prediction of what to expect multiplied by the emotional power of that connection. The great brands are not about what they are. They are about what they represent. And they always represent something bigger than themselves. The strongest branding efforts are very concerned with the interactions both between the members of the organization, but also with members outside the organization, such as customers. Branding is the extension of a group's culture, which is based on its values. It's the perception that those outside the organization, as well as those inside, have of the group. 
What's interesting about the greatest teams and organizations is that they don't even need to make the difference between those who are inside and those who stand outside the organization. They're all members of the same community, driven by a sense of belonging to something bigger. The products and visual elements of your brand therefore stop being trivial in branding and become much more than just physical and visual things. They become reminders of what the brand represents, mementos of how you feel when you imagine belonging to it. People will take pride in buying the brand's products or using its services, since it's both the story they tell themselves and the story they tell other people about who they are. Seth Godin goes on to say, Expectations are the engine of our perceptions, and complex stories carry all sorts of perceptions. Where people choose to shop, the way the transaction is handled, the noise, the music, the lighting, each element is at least as important as the item itself. He goes on to also say, We don't buy products. We buy the process of how they were created, what they remind us of when we went to the store to buy them, of what they make us feel as measures of status symbols. We don't buy facts, we buy stories. Stories we tell ourselves. One that resonates with the story that the brand tells us. I recently purchased a pair of unbranded jeans. Unbranded is the sort of ironic name of the brand, and it's a sub-brand of Naked and Famous. The price tag attached to the jeans says, no branding, no washes, no embroidery, no ad campaigns, no celebrities. So all you pay for is the product, made from top quality rope dyed selvage denim. It's a great product at a great price. But even more, it's a great story. The way I see it, they should probably be renamed Remarkably Branded. When they say that it has no branding, what they really mean is that there are no visual elements that allows them to be distinguishable. There's no logo on the leather patch. They don't do pre-faded patterns. They even hide the rivets on the back pockets. And since it's raw denim, by wearing and molding the jeans without washing them, allows you to let the jeans become truly yours, to let them be an artifact of all the things you spent time doing while wearing them. As good as the materials and the fits are, I was never buying the jeans for that. I was buying the story of what they stood for and what I wanted them to mean to me. Unbranded doesn't really sell jeans. They sell a blank slate. Music acts in a very similar fashion. We all have our favorite songs or albums with deep significance associated with them. But it's hard to convince someone else of the song's worth 
because it's never going to be worth the same to them as it will to us. As good as the musical arrangement and the quality of the songwriting is, it's truly about the connection we have to the song, the meaning we find in it. We remember when we first heard it, with whom we've listened to it, the feelings it evoked in us over time. We love music because of what it means to us. Branding is then the deliberate act of crafting culture and communicating it clearly to all members of the community, to all those who wish to feel a sense of belonging. This includes employees, management, customers, partners, board members, even competitors. The interesting aspect about community when it comes to branding is that every member of the organization has an opportunity to contribute, and this in each interaction they have between each other. Every single member of the community, both inside and outside the organization, becomes a brand ambassador. As Tony Shea from Zappos puts it, a company's culture and a company's brand are really just two sides of the same coin. The brand is just a lagging indicator of a company's culture. In many of his keynote presentations, author Simon Sinek illustrates how Harley-Davidson, the motorcycle company, doesn't need to invest very much money in advertising. They know that the members of the community, not just employees, but customers take pride in the product and actively represent the brand. They form tribes of motorcycle riders talking to each other about the product and showing it off to the rest of the world. And they do so not because they want to promote sales. They do so because they want to promote a sense of community, a sense of belonging. Sinek jokes that very few people have tattoos in honor of their Suzuki motorcycles, even though they also make great products. Why is that? Well, the tattoo is not really about the motorcycle, is it? We all sell things every day, regardless of our field of work or industry. Leadership is about understanding this responsibility to create a narrative around the vision, purpose, and culture that others will find resonant. I came across an article at some point doing research titled, What Did You Sell Today? Written by Mark Weber. It was on Forbes.com which usually gets me to close the tab immediately. But something kept me reading this one. In the first paragraph, he notes, One of my favorite days every year in my office is Take Your Kids to Work Day. Why? Because I get to give a five-minute pitch to 150 kids. And I ask all these kids to do one thing for me. That every night when their parents come home, they ask one question. 
what did you sell today? And those kids take me seriously all year long. My team begs me, please tell them to stop. Every night my kids ask me what I sold. But the question isn't asking if the employee got a customer to sign on the dotted line or write a check. It means, what did you do today that made the company better? Everyone sells things every day, but selling is of course not the correct term that we should be using. In this sense of the word, selling means that we all try to prove our worth to somebody else or to a group of people by contributing to its sense of purpose. This isn't really about monetary worth, as much as it can be emotional worth. Although the monetary worth cannot be disregarded, the reality is undeniable. Organizations almost all require money to operate. If an organization requires the support and commitment of people, and those people need to earn a livelihood, the organization will need to find a way to offer them compensation. And there are many ways that different types of organizations obtain these funds, profits, grants, donations. Therefore, it's only natural that products and services accompany branding. Organizations advertise their products and services by telling us stories that resonate with us. We like what they are saying and we relate to it. It feels like the advertising is speaking to us. So we buy their products or services to allow ourselves to keep telling ourselves that story. We want the story to be true, to belong to it, and we want others to tell themselves that same story about us. Seth Godin's work is my principal source of inspiration for this chapter. I've read most of his books, watched countless of his keynote presentations, and listened to his new Akimbo podcast episodes many times over. The title of this episode is inspired by a concept of his, the story we tell ourselves. In 2005, he wrote a book called All Marketers Tell Stories. The book cover has the words, Are Liars, crossed out, and the words, Tell Stories, written over them. And yes, I can hear the criticism from the professional marketers and business school grads out there saying that what I'm saying proves that those companies are accomplishing exactly what they set out to, playing us like a fiddle with a pretend sense of altruism. I get it. We all sometimes become victims of marketing tactics. Some businesses and organizations might try to sway you with trends, to get you to fit in. I would argue, however, that very few organizations are truly successful at pulling off this supposed elaborate trap. And those that do get us to spend our money do not do so from pure greed. Great organizations do not use values to trick you into fitting in, but they do want to create a sense of belonging and purpose, not only for themselves, but for those who believe in their values. Their business success is important to them, as it allows them to survive as an organization, but they also stand for something greater. I spoke previously about Jeep's advertising. 
noting that they often don't even attempt to sell you a car in the traditional sense by discussing models, features, or prices. Instead, they sell things like adventure, hope, and happiness. They invite you in their community, where people feel connected and wanting to explore the world, promising that the product they make was designed to allow you to do so. They don't attempt to get you to be loyal to them. Instead, they announce that they're working towards being loyal to you by providing quality products that are designed and manufactured according to the values that you share with them. Simon Sinek proposes the concept of the golden circle. In his book, Start With Why, he says, When a why is clear, those who share that belief will be drawn to it and maybe want to take part in bringing it to life. If that belief is amplified, it can have the power to rally even more believers to raise their hands and declare, I want to help. With a group of believers all rallying around a common purpose, cause, or belief, amazing things can happen. But it takes more than inspiration to become great. Inspiration only starts the process. You need something more to drive a movement. You need a why. He continues, When companies talk about what they do and how advanced their products are, they may have appeal, but they do not necessarily represent something to which we want to belong. But when a company clearly communicates their why, what they believe, and we believe what they believe, then we will sometimes go to extraordinary lengths to include those products or brands in our lives. This is not because they are better, but because they become markers or symbols of the values and beliefs we hold dear. Those products and brands make us feel like we belong, and we feel a kinship with others who buy the same things. As a leader, how is any of this relevant? What does selling and branding have anything to do with leading teams and organizations? As it turns out, leadership is both very well positioned when it comes to branding, but it must, at the same time, be very careful. As a leader, you have the opportunity every day to look at the organization or group that you're part of and tell yourself a story about it. To feel something about how you belong to it. And to believe in the hope for a greater future. The difficult part is the artful aspect of connection with others. With not only telling yourself this story and belonging to it, but to bring others in the organization to do the same. We are not talking about branding to understand how companies make money. We're doing so because branding falls under the umbrella of a leader's principal roles of clarity, safety, and influence. Selling and branding are integrated into leadership in the sense that leaders must persuade and convince their communities to believe and engage in their vision. The art of selling or being a salesman is a real thing. 
being a good salesman does not have to have anything to do with the cliché version of the sneaky, overly charismatic car salesman. Good salesmen are the ones that tell virtuous and optimistic stories. While interpersonal and communication skills take a long time to develop, leadership, much like virtue and optimism, is a choice. One that can be instantaneous at that. People don't buy features and benefits. They buy the story that's around the products and services. They buy how it makes them feel. The products themselves stop being the product. The product starts becoming how people feel when they interact with it. Now, leadership doesn't sell anything tangible. It sells hope. Leadership is the act of selling by inviting someone into your community, inviting them to a better version of the world that you've built or helped build. It's persuading them that not only the community's vision is worthy, but that they are worthy themselves as welcome members of the group. They can be part of the story because it becomes their story as much as the leader's. Leadership in branding and storytelling therefore becomes the art of not only establishing credibility and trust, but also being able to create a better version of the story that people tell themselves. The most interesting aspect of it all is that you cannot buy what leadership is selling with money. Trust is the only currency. Daniel Goldman in the foundational book called Emotional Intelligence, revised many of his ideas in a more leadership-centric context in his book Primal Leadership. He argues that while intellect and competence are necessary for gaining entry to leadership positions, those characteristics are not enough for a leader to be effective. He says, Leaders execute a vision by motivating, guiding, inspiring, listening, persuading, and, most crucially, through creating resonance. Seth Godin continues on the concept of resonance by saying, in his book The Icarus Deception, More difficult still is the magic of the story that resonates. After trust is earned, and your work is seen, only a fraction of it is magical enough to be worth spreading. Again, this magic is the work of the human artist, not the corporate machine. This is the reason why we are so skeptical of those sneaky salesmen, or of those leaders that lack authenticity, candor, and conviction in the story they're trying to convince us to belong to. If, as a leader, the story you are telling, the story you are inviting others to belong to, is not virtuous and optimistic, if you don't share complete conviction in its worth, you will not be trusted, and you will not be able to lead. It is therefore imperative that you create the narrative that resonates with every member of your team or organization, creating a feeling of belonging 
you must tell the story of the forest in between the trees. Subscribe to the podcast for part two of this chapter, where we'll explore the effects of branding and narrative on practices, language, and motivation.